You're listening to one happy beekeeper right now. You know why? Because I sprung for some new microphones and I love them. Now, I didn't have them for the entirety of this episode, but over the next few weeks as I push out older recordings, there will be an improvement in the audio as I integrate the new microphones more and more. Today, I sit with Portland beekeeper Rachel Ferris. Not only is she out there saving bees, she's also out there helping people that are suffering from acute mental illness. That's right, Rachel is a social worker. Now, you wouldn't really think of social work and beekeeping as being similar, but they are, and she shares some incredible insights on that in today's episode. This is Beekeeper Confidential, and I'm your host, Mandy Shaw. Rachel has been keeping bees for a total of four years, but it didn't exactly get off to a smooth start. Her first hive was a top bar hive that she purchased a package of bees for, and she installed them, and they soon absconded. After that, she had to move to a rental property. At the time, in the city of Portland, you were required to get a permit to keep bees, and the property management company would not allow her to do it. Despite her efforts, she wrote a really long letter telling them all of the reasons why bees are good to have around and that they were not a risk. She had renter's insurance that would cover any potential disasters that the bees could cause, and they still wouldn't let her do it. And it was heartbreaking for her, but she didn't give up. She joined the Oregon State Master Beekeeper Program. And then I got a hive because I was in the Master Beekeeping Program, which had to be at a host site. And then she turned her house into a rental, right, as my bees what? got really hot and angry at everyone and were stinging everybody. <gasps> so then I moved them, my mentor and I moved them, which was a like the hive full over in the truck. So that was its own, like, beemageddon. And I was behind, like, my mentor is the lady with the truck. We couldn't get the stupid ratchet straps to work. So I was behind her. I saw it tip over. And she saw it happen, and she just floored it. Because she was like, anything we do now will cause a huge mess in the middle of this very residential neighborhood. And it was, it was, uh, she had a topper. So it was leaking some bees, like they were whizzing past me. It was heartbreaking. But she just floored it and she did not stop until we pulled up. And by then it was dark. Oh. And then we had these angry bees and they targeted me. So she had to kick me out. She was like, you have to go stand way over there because I cannot work because the bees are attacking you. Were you in your suit? I had heavy jeans on and a jacket. And they stung me through my jeans, like, all over in my, like, inner thighs, where it's the thinnest. Oh, ow. And it was like, I'm sorry. It was intense. That's traumatizing. It was. I still have a lot of, like, the rational part of me when I get into the hive is like, cool, I love bees. Yeah. We are one. And then once that, like, they if they ramp up, like, the emotional part of my brain, it freaks out. I start sweating. Wow. I'm really sensitive about being, like, buzzed now. I got stung I... in the head this summer <laughs> and was even trying to do the thing where you just, like, smash them immediately, but I couldn't find her. Oh, my God. And she, so she stung me, and then I was like, then I had a cone. 
Oh. And I just got stung in the chin like the week before, so I looked like Jay Leno all week already. So after you moved the bees out of the truck, or your mentor did, mm-hmm. um, how long were they pissed off for? She said they calmed down immediately. Yeah. And they overwintered. It was that really crappy winter with all the snow. Wow. They That's overwintered. Amazing. The winter that Rachel is referring to is the winter of 2016, and it was the coldest winter that Oregon has had in 24 years. That was also my first year as a beekeeper, and all of my hives died. That winter, we had feet of snow. It was crazy and totally unusual, so the fact that her bees made it through is pretty impressive. You you had a lot of swarm issues. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and they all swarm to my neighbor's yard, and she's afraid of bees. You're like, welcome to the neighborhood. Yeah. Less, she's less afraid now, because it's happened four times, because the Lang swarmed three times, and then the, and they all go to that same tree. They just love it. <laughs> what do you think it is about it? I don't know. It's nice, because it's a pretty short tree. It's not uncommon for bees to swarm to the same place multiple times in a season, They leave pheromones behind, which act as an attractant for future swarms. So if you have a spot that you're getting swarms repeatedly, it would be a good idea to put up a bait hive. Okay, so game plan for next year. Are you going to put up a bait hive? I'm going to put up a swarm tree in that tree. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just imagine they'll be like, hey, girls, let's not go in the swarm trap. Let's go like four feet above where it is. That's just to punk Rachel. That's kind of what I think will actually happen. (laughs) I swear they punk us sometimes. Totally. It's like they're trying to reset the human apian balance. Yeah. I think that they just consider us these big pink squishy things that like wander around. (laughs) They totally, I mean, they have me wrapped around their little toe, I guess. Their their little bee toes. Their little bee paws. (laughs) Because whatever they want, I'm like, oh, you want me out of your way? Done. Sure, yeah. I'm gone. Whatever you need. So that got me wondering, what are honeybee feet actually called? Are they feet? Are they paws? Are they toes? They are actually claws. Since I've been interested in bees, now my interest is kind of going towards native bees and like other pollinators. So I'm less um, like bees, honeybees are my first love, but I'm more interested in like, how can I do advocacy for native bees? I'm more like, how can a social worker recareer to do pollinator management <laughs> and ecology? That's your social, social insect worker. Yes. I asked Rachel if there were any lessons from beekeeping that she could apply to her job as a social worker. I mean, I think there's a lot of crossover. Um, I think it's really useful to have a lot of patience and to realize that no matter what your plan is, it's very likely it's not going to go that way. (laughs) So my favorite kind of social work is crisis social work, like mental health crises. And and I was talking to this person about it who's a therapist, and she was like, I think it's really interesting that you really like doing social work with individuals that most people are frightened of like people who are like acutely mentally ill or homeless. And you also like beekeeping. It seems like these two things that most people are terrified of, you really enjoy. And it's like, that's a good point. I originally started keeping bees because I thought it would be a hobby where I wouldn't have to talk to humans. But that ends up (laughs) not being true because A, I love talking about bees. And B, beekeepers love talking to other beekeepers. Hell yeah, we do. Well, that's a really powerful comparison. You can't smoke your, your clients, though. No. 
that would be useful sometimes. <laughs> Hold still. <laughs> Though when I was doing homeless outreach, we I did have cigarettes to use an out, as an outreach tool. Oh, really? And it was oh. it was amazing because people don't want to talk to you because you're a stranger. But if you yeah. like offer a cigarette, there's some even if you I don't, am a non-smoker, but they if I offered them a cigarette, they would smoke and like talk to me. What made you want to get into social work? I'm really bad at math. Bad at math? I'm bad at math. But good at working with people who are, like, how do you guys classify the group of people that you're working with? Folks who are, like, experiencing acute symptoms or um, acutely mentally ill or, but yeah, like, folks who are experiencing acute symptoms, I think would be the best way to put it. And bees can experience acute symptoms, too, mm-hmm. if they're experiencing poor nutrition or yeah. viral. Or if they fall over in the back of the truck. <laughs> we need a crisis team on <laughs> Maybe that was why I was so unfazed, because I was like, oh, this feels familiar. Did that happen in slow motion? Which part? <laughs> I guess I'm tipping over. Uh, sort of. I can't really remember. I just remember, like... Being like, I th- at first I thought it was a trick of the light, like maybe there was a it was there was a reflection <laughs> that I couldn't see it, and then Please I was like, be a trick. then I was like, nope, that's fallen over, and then they're like, it's like you could see bees inside, and I was oh like, god. oh god, no. do you dream about bees? All the uh, yes, frequently. Yeah. Do you think that they're symbolic about things that are really happening in your life, or just because you love bees so much? I think both. Sometimes I tend to have a lot of dreams at the end of winter. Oh, God, me too. Like a lot of anxiety dreams about the bees, because that's kind of... Last year they made it, but I feel like that's the clinch time. Like, if they can overwinter and still, like, die before the first nectar flow starts. Um, But also, yeah, dreams about anxiety in my life. Bees will show up in my dreams. Buzzing around your head. Buzzing around. <laughs> Sometimes I, I feel like I'm filled with bees. <laughs> like if I get like really anxious or irritated about world events, I'm like, I think maybe I'm not human. I'm just a burlap bag filled with bees. Wasn't that movie <laughs> The Candyman? Wasn't there a scene where he opened his mouth and a swarm of bees started coming out of it? Yes. That, I think stuff like that gives bees a really bad reputation. Yes. They, that should have been yellow jackets or hornets coming out of his yeah. mouth. But most people can't tell the difference. You're right. I correct them a lot and feel like a jerk. People are like, oh, it was a bee. I was like, was it a bee or was it a yellow jacket? Let me ask you some questions about that. <laughs> Did it leave a stinger? No, it wasn't a bee. Did it lick your hamburger patty? <laughs> Not a bee. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like bees do have get a bad rap in media. Yeah. It's like on one hand, everybody has a bleeding heart for them. Save them. They need help. We need them because they are responsible for one out of every three bites of food. But on the other hand... They're swarming, they're angry, they're going to kill me, they're killer bees. Yeah. Somebody told me that they found flowers at some, this was a person in Vancouver, but she said she got some, somebody brought her like flowers, like from a nursery or from a, like a Home Depot or something. And they had tags and that's, and then that said, warning, these flowers may attract bees. Warning. Yeah. 
warning. So she sent, I think her son bought them for it, and she sent him back to buy as many flats of these flowers that said, warning will attract bees. She's like, that's all I buy now are flowers, plants with this tag in them, because it's absurd. Of course I want the plants that attract bees. Um, which I, is different. The tags I always see are the neonic tags that yeah. say that the plant has been treated, which and I And those avoid. should literally say, warning. Yes. But they don't, do they? No. Like, they're just like, oh, hi. It's, this plant is pre-treated. We're aphid resistant. <laughs> we glow green at night. <laughs> Everything that touches us dies. Home Depot is one of the retailers that is infamous for selling plants pre-treated with neonics. Their statement in May of 2016 is that they are working on phasing out all of the use of neonics on their plants by the end of 2018. Here we are, it's October of 2018, and there's no updates on their website about it. They claim that most retailers and nurseries already sell plants treated with neonics. Since 2014, they've been one of the few that actually labels these plants. The label itself reads that the plant is protected from problematic aphids, white flies, beetles, mealybugs, and other unwanted pests. So here's something to consider. And if you're a beekeeper and if you're in tune with pollinators, you're probably already doing this stuff. But if this is new information to you, consider the use of beneficial insects. Get some ladybugs. Get some praying mantises. Allow the paper wasps and the yellow jackets to do their work in your garden. My garden has been pesticide-free for eight years, and I don't have any issues with unwanted pests that these neonicotinoids are going after. Being labeled as pre-treated with neonics is not required. So if you're not sure if you're buying plants that have been pre-treated or not, I'm going to put some links up on the episode notes on my blog to get you some of that information. I went to a Xerxes pollinator training. I was expecting, I, I know that Xerxes isn't, they aren't huge fans of honeybees. So I was a uh, stealth honey beekeeper. <laughs> but the guy was really great. A few people were, there was one beekeeper who was very impassioned. And I was like, it's, <laughs> and another guy like caught me outside when I was talking to someone else about bees and said that, what did he say? He said, yellow jackets aren't the problem. Honeybees are their are real problem. I was like, uh-huh. But later he was advocating for planting English ivy as, like, a pollinator source. Um, so I was confused. So did he not like honeybees because they're... Non-native. Okay. But did he feel like they were taking away food opportunities for other bees? Yes. That's kind of the argument. Is there... Like, did he have anything to back that up? Or was it just a very, very broad assumption that he was making well he was not teaching the class the the teacher did say that there was concern that maybe there was a lot of um uh competition pollen competition but he didn't cite a source Hmm. just that it's a concern but mostly the training was about how to plant for pollinators and he even said honeybees are important they pollinated a lot of our food so i'm not saying they're bad but here are these other bees that are native that also are in a lot worse shape than honeybees. So he, I, he was great. The instructor was great. Um, huge bee nerd. But it was good. It was. I wanted to know more about when. I worry about cleaning up the leaves because I know a lot of 
pollinators nest in leaf debris over winter. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted a timeline for cleaning up the yard. And I got it, and it was great. So when should I clean up my yard? He says tax day. What? Mm-hmm. He says Whoa. by then the things that are in the leaf litter, yeah, like the bumblebee queens, should be out and about. And so no yard work for me. I for know. Next five months. <laughs> I was kind of like, oh, but also like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it was good. Um, I think they're going to do more of them. It was free. They got a grant, so I got an awesome book about attracting native pollinators. And... Nice. Oh, I think I have that book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that more and more now, there is a lot of crossover for beekeepers between keeping their honeybees, but also promoting space for native pollinators to live. And then at the pollinator training, I was talking to somebody who's doing what it, the Oregon Bee Project. Yeah. And she said there's this kind of wool carter bee called the butcher. What? And they have this pincher kind of between their head and their legs, and they use it to cut the heads off of rival bees. Oh, my God. I think it's on the males, but they like just like zoom up and, and like snap them. That is WWF style yes. bee rivalry. I was like, I want to oh see that. God. How do I get that bee in my yard? <laughs> <laughs> Staff my lambs here. Damn. I wonder if that's a new evolutional feature that that bee has, or if they've always had that ability to chop off. I have no idea. Heads. That's medieval. It is. Oh, God. <laughs> Obviously, they wouldn't hunt my hives, so it wouldn't be a huge impact, but I'm like, I wouldn't mind the butcher hanging out in the lavender. You want a little bit of carnage. Yeah. I just want to see it in person. If you could train those bees to sit outside of a yellow jacket nest, you'd be good. Yes. <laughs> Though I did, we did have very few pests in our garden, and I think it's because of the yellow jackets and the paper wasps. <gasps> they were out there, like, patrolling, patrolling it oh. the whole summer long. I like the paper wasps. I'm totally cool with them. But the yellow jackets, I don't know. They're jerks. They, they are. Would, they did chase me away from my own tomatoes a couple oh, times. Oh, that's not right. No. So with yellow jackets, it's really tough because, yes, they do have some beneficial qualities, but yellow jackets prey on honeybees. And so it's hard to find that balance of allowing them to work in the garden and do their thing versus having them in my bee yard, attacking my bees, trying to get into the beehives. And beekeepers do end up putting out a lot of yellow jacket traps to try and at least lower the numbers that are invading their bee yards. And it's tricky. It's hard to really like them when you kind of hate them. Speaking of bees, Rachel keeps her bees on the side of her house. She has this little alleyway that is perfect for her top bar hive and her Langstroth hive. They have been, rather than going over here, so they have like this little entrance over here, they've been going behind the brick to get in. And I'm like, whatever. Make it harder than it needs to be. And you've got your top bar. So they've been up there, like, massaging propolis all morning, like, around the entrance. Oh, my God. And this is the one, a while back, you had posted a picture of, like, they had propolized a lot of the entrance shot. Yeah, that was the front (laughs) entrance. And then up here, so they, in the spring, they only use this small entrance. They don't use the front entrance. And so when I opened it up... After the winter, they had made they had made a little propolis tunnel. So I know like top entrances aren't great, but they really seem to like it. Yeah, I have hives with top entrances, and they do like it. Um, Some of them 
close off the bottom and only use the top. Yeah. Some use both. Are your other bees as dark as these ones? This one is a from Bridgetown, a new from oh. Bridgetown. Oh, wow. Bridgetown Bees is a bee supplier here in Portland. They sell nukes and queens. Uh-huh. And then I don't know what happened to the queen when it fell over in the truck. Because they also propolize so much that it's like epoxy. Like uh-huh. I've broken the the boxes trying to get the frames out. I've managed to pry out like two frames glued together this spring. <laughs> but it's, and these That's guys intense. are like their propolis is more sticky and like yeah. malleable. But those. What guys, do you think that is? No idea. Do you think it's an age thing or their recipe for it? They've all, they, theirs has always been like that, even when they were new. Just like, huh? Like pry. Like we had to like take the boxes apart this spring, and it took. My husband and I both like sawing through, like we couldn't pop them up. We had to like saw through with a bread knife and like wrestle <laughs> what? them off. Jeez. So they don't want visitors. No, I'm pretty, They're that's like, why I'm pretty lazy. Yeah. Like I see videos of people doing hive checks with these like beautiful like bare frames. They're just lifting out and I'm like, what? That's not even reality. Yeah. Yeah. That is the. And then these guys are from a, my friend's hive. She has a worry that's overwintered like really four years. Oh, that's amazing. With like no intervention. It's pretty inspiring when you hear stories about beekeepers who have had colonies successfully overwinter multiple times without any human intervention. If you can get your hands on bees like that, consider yourself lucky. A lot of the bees that we're working with, such as packages or nucleus colonies, are from managed apiaries that have been treating their bees and feeding them, so they aren't necessarily ready to be totally on their own and often require feeding and treating for varroa mites. Was there ever a time where you had a bee situation that you had to deal with on your own that you were like, oh my god, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> Every time I open up the hive, I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> Um, I mean, I've been pretty lucky. Like the, definitely the getting swarmed was the worst. Yeah. What was it like being stung so many times? I mean, I, I stopped noticing after a while cause it just oh hurt. God. And also I was so angry at myself for being such a terrible beekeeper <laughs> that I was having so much guilt. <gasps> But also it was kind of like, granted, my brain is really traumatized by it, obviously, because I still like flail around and like, like get the sweats when the like noise happens. Um, it was like, like how many people can say they were swarmed by bees, by angry bees that weren't Africanized? Yes. If any of you listening to this have had an experience where you've been swarmed by angry bees, I want to hear about it. Send me a message at waggleworkspdx at gmail.com. So which is the apple tree that the bees land on when they swarm? Oh, it's this, uh, it's a ma- the magnolia right oh, there. Oh, a magnolia. Oh, yeah, it's just right there. Uh-huh. So <laughs> it's intense. Like, I, you can hear it in the, I was home when they swarmed one time. The rest, the other times we just, like, drove up and they'd done it or Chris was home. There must be, like, ultraviolet arrows spray painted going t- right towards that tree. Yeah. I have no idea, but all every time they just went like, and like straight over. I think that it really speaks to their pheromones or somebody tells, yeah, they remember and they're like, Hey, I'm leaving, but BTW, (laughs) that magnolia is pretty sweet. If you decide to leave, it's just right over there. (laughs) I was in, I was home for one swarm. 
and was like had gotten out of the shower and was like dur, 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 and heard this like bizarre noise like maybe there was a dump truck parked over here just this like whoom 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 and I was like weird and so I open up the the sliding glass door and it's like just like massive <laughs> bee noise bees are like everywhere and I was like oh my god so I like put pants on and came out and it was just like a wall and then I just watched this wall of bees go from like over by the hives and just like move over and then coalesce on the magnolia and I texted my neighbor I was like the bees are coming in your yard again and she was like oh I just got home and then she she texted she's like oh my god I looked out my kitchen window it's how how many are there but yeah, it was very exciting. And that was one that you caught here? Yeah, I caught one, and then the next time it happened, I didn't have anything to put them in. And so somebody did, somebody came and got them, and the next two, yeah, I wasn't home. So Chris had to manage it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, th- I think I ended up, like, he was getting frustrated because there was so much texting happening. Um, and so I was like trying to ask him questions and he was like, ah, I'm sorry, but there's so much texting happening. So then, but, so then I found somebody and she went out and got them because <laughs> I was starting a new job and like, didn't want to out myself as a bee weirdo quite yet. Yeah. So I was back in my new cube, like frantically texting. I was working up until last March and I told all my coworkers and my bosses listen this is what happens during storm season like I have to be on call for the bees I can like be called out at a moment's notice and they're like well what does that mean like what time does it happen like how long does it take I'm like we don't know they're a mystery bees are magic I gotta be on call for this and then I ended up just saying you know what I just gotta do this bee thing bye (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I did. Ha- I did take mornings off. I took a morning off to put the to install that s- the swarm in the top bar. Yeah. And I was like, I am very sorry. I'm going to be late because of very important bee things to attend to. Yeah, you're saving the planet. You're saving <laughs> yes. the ecosystem. They need to allow yes, you to do that. They yeah. did. They were like, Oh my god! Did when you showed up in the office after that? Did they all stand up and start clapping for you? I. I wish that would have been pretty awesome. They had a lot of, they just wanted to know. I took pictures. I had pictures. uh, Yeah. You're like the office badass. I think so. Yes. For bees anyway. (laughs) And then the next time I came in, I had had to take a morning off to do the time I got stung and looked like Jay Leno. (laughs) And then I was a different kind of badass. And then the next day I totally like swelled up. I was like typing and turned around and they were like, ah, (laughs) like what do you mean you don't like my new chin i've never been stung in the face but if i do i'll take a bunch of pictures and put it on social media so everyone can like my suffering at the end of our interview rachel asked me a question how did you conceive the idea of having a bee podcast So I was on the Ologies podcast earlier this year. This lady is a genius. She's Mm -hmm. just incredible. And she, her podcast is interviewing people with different areas of expertise, different ologists. And she emailed me through Portland Urban Beekeepers. I had just become president and it was like being at the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. She emailed president at Portland Urban Beekeepers and said, hey, I'm going to be in Portland. I want to do an episode on bees. 
do you know any at-home beekeepers that would be willing to talk with me? And you're like, well, so I didn't want to abuse my power. (laughs) I was like, sure. Um, I do know some people. So I gave her some names, but I said, if they're not available, I would love to sit and talk with you. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't hear from her for maybe a week or so. And then she emailed me. She's like, hey, I'm going to be up on Thursday. So uh, if you have time, you know, here's my schedule. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, I was able to do the interview after doing her podcast. Like I had so much fun with her doing it and I've never listened to podcasts before. So I started listening to some uh, in pollination by Mm -hmm. Andani Melithopoulos. And I just thought, well, my sister and I, when we were kids, we had this little keyboard with a microphone. It had like a voice change feature on it and Mm -hmm. we had a tape cassette player and we would make our own radio shows and That's... we would pretend that they were call-in radio shows. We would have a regular cast of characters that were always calling and just, you know, bombing our show for us. And How old were you? Oh, gosh. That went into our tweens. That is like, hilarious. We did that for quite a while. Um, and I don't know. It just kind of ignited that interest in doing that kind of project. And because I had left my job to pursue this like beekeeping consultation and education thing, mm-hmm. my mind has been like really focusing on what can I do to gain exposure, spread the message, mm-hmm. connect people to other beekeepers. Yeah. And I don't know that there's anything like, like quite like this out there. There's a lot of podcasts about interviewing experts and that are focused on hearing like very high level um, education. Yeah. But for everyday beekeepers, just talking with each other, I think is, there's a lot of value in that. Mm -hmm. So that's why I decided to do this podcast. But I sat on the idea for a good four months before I like invested in buying my recorder and Mm -hmm. I had somebody do my artwork for me. I'm doing this. (laughs) Indeed, I am doing this and I'm loving every minute of it. And you know what? It wouldn't be possible without all of the love and support that I get from the people in my hive. If you would like to help support this podcast and the work that I do with bees, you can become a patron. Visit patron.podbean.com forward slash beekeeper confidential. I'll include links to this and more in the episode notes on my blog at waggleworkspdx.com. Until next time, may the buzz be with you.